Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In this episode of Boss Files, I believe you should hire on heart, not just resume. Jewelry designer, CEO, and philanthropist, Kendra Scott. She started her business with just $500, stringing beads together in a spare bedroom in her home with a newborn son. Today, she's grown it into a billion-dollar business. There is no mistaking the college dropout's tremendous success, a product of the American dream. She says she could not have done it without the Super 7, a small team of women she's been working with since day one, including her mother. Women have always been strong and they've always had, you know, strength inside of them. I think when women join forces, when they hold hands, they're unstoppable. Um, I can I can attest to that. Plus, how the Trump administration's tariffs are affecting her business. She says they're already starting to feel the impact. And will she take the company public? I ask her. Here's my conversation with Kendra Scott. Such a pleasure to meet you, Kendra. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to share your remarkable journey uh, with everyone that doesn't know it because I didn't know it. I mean, I've worn your jewelry earrings, especially for years, but I had no idea that there was this powerful woman, you know, raising three kids behind it from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes, the fashion mecca of the world. Fellow Midwesterner like me. So uh, we're going to get along. Thanks for being here. Oh, so happy. Let's start with the brand and how you built it and how you got here. You say you built your brand on on three pillars, family, fashion, philanthropy. Always, always three pillars? Always three pillars. You know, I started this business out of my extra bedroom with $500, uh, literally stringing beads in a 10 by 10 extra bedroom in my house with a newborn baby. So my first son was born. And so family was incredibly important. And you know, as a mother, Mm -hmm. when you're handed this little infant, your life changes in that moment. Everything that you thought was important is not important anymore, right? It's totally different. And so for me, being a mother and being Mm -hmm. a present mother Mm -hmm. was my number one priority. But but also, I think for me, providing for your family... Right. And having that financial security also becomes so much more important. At least it did to me when I thought, oh, I'm also providing my husband and I'm providing for this little life. Right. You want to have the very best for this child. And since I was a little girl in Kenosha, I dreamt of being in fashion. To me, fashion was magic. So I thought, okay, if I can be a great mom, if I can do what I've wanted to do since I was a little girl, and I can give back to my community at the same time, because it was always been really, really important mm-hmm. to me that that would be success. And those three pillars just happened to be family, fashion, philanthropy. If you flash back to 2002, I believe you were pregnant with your first child. You're making, you know, this jewelry out of your bedroom. Um, you're searching for gemstones. You couldn't afford them. You decide, OK, this is what I'm going to do. And you're making them yourself. Um, but you kept going around trying to sell them, literally knocking on doors. And you were consistently confronted by no. Yes, you're correct. But no didn't stop. 
you? No, you know, I mean, I'll never forget that first day. And I was, you know, having to go to the first store with my jewelry and the baby. And I brought my baby with me. I didn't have baby Bjorn. Thank you yeah, very the much. Baby, yes, exactly. The baby Bjorn. And I went into the first store. They said no. I had to get back in the car and go to the next store. And it was that thing of looking back at that little baby in the car seat and going, okay, you know what? We're going to try again. We're going to keep on going. And the next store we walked in, and I joke that I don't know if they loved the jewelry or they just felt sorry for this lady with the baby in the baby carrier, but they gave me a chance. And they looked at the collection. I remember I wrote orders on a Word doc that I had printed out of an order form with a very janky looking Kendra Scott logo. And I wrote an order and we made a copy of it in the back room of this first boutique. And that day I ended up writing three more orders. Mm. And the last store I went to, I had to sell all of my samples because I didn't have enough money to buy the materials I needed to produce those orders I'd written. So I sold my entire sample set to the last store and I came home with a $1,200 check from a $500 investment. And I remember telling my husband, we got a business. We got a business. The confidence that must have given you. It was, it was, you know, it was small right in the beginning and and we were, it was just, but that was big. It was like we started to get momentum, but what got exciting is within three to four days, these stores were calling back saying their cases were empty. That they had <laughs> and you're thinking, sold. oh my God, how am I going to make enough? Yes. And so, but we were onto something, you know, yeah. I loved color. I love beautiful, semi-precious stones. And what I wanted, I couldn't afford. So I thought if there is a way that I could make high quality jewelry yeah. in beautiful color, that women, that was attainable to women, it wasn't necessarily cheap, but it was attainable, that that could be filling a void in the market, that there was white space. To think that you took that white space by the reins and built a company that today for values at a billion dollars. <laughs> I think I get a sense from you, you knew it at one point, even maybe that $1,200 checkpoint, this is going to work. But did you think to this scale, to this magnitude? Well, first of all, let me tell you, probably there were a lot, over the last 16 years, so now that baby is six foot one. Um, <laughs> he's not a baby. I can't get him in a baby carrier right. anymore. Um, you know, no, I mean, there were so many ups and downs through this journey. There were many times that I thought I was going to lose my business really? in that journey. What? I mean, it wasn't always like, oh, this is going to work. This is great. It's so easy. There were so many things that happened along the way that I thought, I don't know if I'm going to look. I did it on lines of credit and bank loans. I had no investment. Investment capital. Sure. I was carrying it all on my shoulders, bootstrapping it right. literally. Uh, shipped my first big order out of my dining room with my mom helping me ticket and card. I mean, we were just trying to make it. We were faking it till we made and, it. And people would say to you, Oh, just go get an angel investor. Oh, they do. And you thought? I love, well, first of all, I'm like, go get an angel. I go, where do these angels hang out? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I'd love to find these angels. Is there a place where they congregate and I can like talk to them? I mean, these angels just don't show up knocking on your doorstep. Sure. And I got great advice from a very successful friend of mine who had built businesses and sold them. And I said, where do I, where do I find myself an angel? And he said, Kendra, focus on building your business. Mm-hmm. Focus on making a profitable, successful company. Yeah. And they will start calling you. Did they? And they did. Do you, they, did you get angel investors? So we didn't get angels, but we got a lot of other investment firms sure. calling. But I didn't take it. And I started in 2002. Right. We didn't bring our first investor on until 2013. Wow. But that so, gives you a lot. I mean, that also positions you really well because you have this full ownership. Now. Right. But I, that wasn't the plan. I would have loved an angel to step in maybe around 2008 during the recession. That would have been lovely. But, you know, we, we kind of did what we had to do to survive. We were a very lean team of seven, which the I original can't believe seven that. You call them with the me. Super Seven. Super Seven. Right? And they're yeah. still with you? Yes. Who are the Super Seven? They're the most dynamic, amazing group of women you will ever meet. One of them is my mom. 
Uh, we call her Mama Janet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was my first really employee who didn't actually get paid in the beginning. She, you know, I hope I hope Mama gets paid. Mama now. gets paid. <laughs> yes, she does. Mama's happy um, and very <clears throat> proud. Uh, you know, Denise, my VP of Design, she yep. did every job in the company. She's been with me for over 13 years, uh, from design assistant and now VP of Design. And we've just grown and we've struggled together. We struggled when when things were going great. We celebrated together. Mm -hmm. When things were going hard, we held hands and said, "What do we have to do today to get over this hump?" I think it's interesting that all seven of you are still together because as you know when companies grow and get big and successful and a lot of money gets involved oftentimes even founders you know co-founders break apart none of the seven of you no. left no you know it's family and I think that that's our first pillar uh, we treat we're sisters and you stick by your family and you stick by your family through good times and bad times uh, from the Super 7 to now over 2,000 employees across the country. We have each other's back. We support each other. It is a woman, uh, an environment that celebrates, you know, the, every stage of our lives from motherhood to divorce to we've gone through all the things together yeah. and we stick together. When, when did you almost lose it all? You know, there were a couple of times, uh, you know, we had an incident where one of our biggest wholesalers that we were selling to decided they wanted to just do direct and really not carry as many designer brands. That was a big bulk of our business. Um, that was a very trying time while we kind of got through that. The recession was incredibly scary because, you know, I had just been selling to other wholesale accounts. We did not have our own retail mm -hmm. stores. We didn't, didn't even have our own e-com. It was more of an informational yeah. site about the brand. Yeah. And when the recession hit, I realized that all of my eggs were in this one basket and that I didn't have any control. So if our buyers who were getting laid off mm -hmm. uh, that I had built relationships with stopped writing orders, mm -hmm. they had the power. But wasn't the recession also a moment of real success for you guys? It was. When you changed the business model, when you did start opening those stores? It was. So it was one of those things where our line of credit got, was getting called. We had never pay, been late on a, a payment. I remember sitting in my you know, kitchen floor in tears and thinking, really? I'm going to lose this. And we had a local Texas bank who believed in our brand, who took on our line. And I remember going to the Super 7 and saying to these girls, listen, we have to do something radical. All of our eggs are in this basket. We need to communicate with our customer directly. We need to hear from her what she wants, what she loves, what she needs more of. We need to open a retail store. That <laughs> meant to you, Kendra, that you and your employees and the Super 7 and people you would hire had to be face-to-face -face with your consumer. Yes. That it wasn't enough to sell to them, you know, via the internet or through wholesalers. No, you know, we wanted to connect with her. We, I wanted to stand in front of her and look in her eyes and find out what she wanted, what she loved, even more importantly, what she didn't like, so that I could make the best, most amazing products for her. And so our first store in Austin, we ended up getting a store that had office space above it. So we would have to walk through that store to get to our offices. And I Smart. did that intentionally. I'm like, I want us to have to be in it every day with her. So how did you learn? I I'll, will never uh, <laughs> forget. Uh, Kat Cole told me um, what, when she was running Cinnabon, uh, she, she would look in the trash, literally look <laughs> in the trash at, at some of their restaurants to see what people were throwing out. Yeah. 
which is ju- it's just as important to see what people are buying to what they're discarding. So what did you learn by being face to face with these buyers? You know, one, I learned that first, we, if we were going to do it, we were going to do it different than anything else. You know, I didn't want to create just another jewelry store model. And again, this was my laboratory. So I didn't have grand plans right. to open stores across the United States. Which, by the way, you have now. And we'll get to that right. in a moment. But I really just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn as much as I could from her. But I also wanted to have a relationship with her that was unique. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted her to be able to touch and feel our product, to be able to have fun in the environment. I wanted her to be part of the design process. So we created Color Bar, where she could pick the colors of her stones and pick the frame she wants and watch it get set in front of her. We wanted to bring theater and magic into retail. We wanted to have fun. We wanted to have events, and we wanted to do things for our community. And so we created this really out-of-the-box jewelry shopping experience that no one had done before. And everyone told me, by the way, we shouldn't do it Oh, this they did? Way. Oh, of course. Who who were the biggest naysayers? Well, you know, I think we we got a lot of people saying, "Well, you don't put jewelry out on not under glass. It's it can't be just sitting out on a table." Because people are going to steal it. Because people are going to steal it. And I and I believe, I always believe like the good in people. I believe that 99% of people are good and kind, and that if you are going to go to the 1% of people who aren't, and that's how you build a store, then hmm. you're going to fail. I respect my customers. I believe in them. We have very little very little loss at our company. Despite having it all out yeah, and all. Despite, exactly. More from my conversation with Kendra Scott after the break. So you fast forward to that. You began with the first store. Now more than 70 stores. We're going to have 90 by the 90 end of the year. now. Yeah. 2,000. How many employees now? Over 2,000. Over 2,000 employees. Despite this sort of meteoric rise for you in terms of success of the business, you personally were going through some really challenging things. You had your one son when you started. Mm-hmm. You ended up having three children. You got divorced yeah. in the middle of it. And I don't think people talk enough about just how much those personal challenges can blow up everything else. You know, it's, I think for, you know, not just for women, men too, anytime that a relationship doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, it's devastating. Um, I had the two boys. They were one in three. So they were tiny. Um, I had a business that was was building but struggling. We yeah, weren't you're not make- a millionaire. At this no, point. we weren't making money at the time. I mean, I was barely able to pay myself. I remember when the boys and I moved, you know, we were living on $200 a week. I was trying really? to figure out how I was going to do groceries and and make sure that they didn't feel any of this. My sister moved in with me um, to help me during that time. You know, I'm so fortunate that I have great family. My mom was close, um, has always been there for me. You know, I had an incredibly supportive father, even though he lived in Wisconsin still. You know, there wasn't a day that went by that he wasn't checking on me, you know. So I think it does take a village. It takes a community of people to kind of help you through those times. Mm -hmm. But again, like what you said, is failure for me was not an option. I was so leveraged at this point with with bank loans and credit card debt to build this business. It could not fail. I mean, I had to make this work and I had to make it work for those little boys. Did you ever think of not leaving your marriage um, because you didn't know how you were going to make it? You know, I think it's hard because I look back at that time and I have such a great relationship with the boy's father still. We are great friends. We in, we actually still work some, in, in some ways together as well. And, you know, I adore him and I never regret 
that relationship. I, we got these two beautiful boys from it. We were able, we're better friends than we were uh, marriage partners. Um, we both have gone on to meet our soulmates and we're, you know, and we're in great positions in our life. And I feel like, you know, that's, there's a lot of blessings here and it doesn't always work out the way you thought it was going to work right. out, but I needed that relationship to get me to the next place I was going. And, you know, I'll never take, I'll never regret it at all. And you've also said, Ken Kendra, you know, I am a product of the American dream. Yeah. Um, and I see that in my, my husband's parents who are immigrants to this country who built, you know, this furniture company in the middle of Minnesota and have had this real American dream. You've had this American dream. When Forbes put out their list of America's richest self-made women last year, you ranked higher than Taylor Swift, <laughs> Beyonce, Donna Karen, Diane von Furstenberg. What? I don't know. Earth. I mean, is it like to all, look at that? Do you think it's right? Because I just feel like I, I mean, can. I think Forbes is pretty reputable. I don't know. I don't know, Poppy. I mean, you know, it's it's an amazing list, obviously, to be on. I think, you know, I'm just proud of what we've what we've built, and I'm proud of the company we've built. I'm proud of our values. Mm -hmm. I'm most proud of what we've done in our communities and as a company that's giving back the way we have from day one. I mean, those are the things I'm proud of. I mean, it's an honor to be even mentioned in a list with those amazing women. Um, but those aren't the things that, that I'm... That you aspire to. No. But aren't you pretty proud? You know, I'm, I'm proud of... I really am proud of, of what we've created. You know, I just... I look at our company and I walk in the doors and I see children in our offices and I see moms being able to have a great career mm -hmm. and have, be there and present for their families. I get letters from families that we've supported in communities across the United States. That's what I'm so proud of. What percent women uh, employees are you? Over 95%. Over 95%. So talking about that and having kids in the office, I mean, I'm lucky I work at a place where if I had to bring Luca and Sienna, <laughs> they could come. Right. They might make some noise during the show, but yeah. they could come, right? I mean, and that's the environment. And yeah. I have bosses who have multiple children and they get it. And I have great maternity leave, et cetera. Um, what are the policies in place within your company uh, to, to help parents, to help men and and, and women with Because you're kids. right, it's a whole family. And I think that's what I look at, is I want our families to be present with their families. That should be their first priority. And I trust and respect them enough to know that if you give them that flexibility to do what they need to do to be present for their family, they will give you so much for in their careers. So what do, is there? And so our maternity leave, leave is, you know, four months are, you know. Fully paid. Fully paid. Uh, we do an amazing job inside of our office with our wellness rooms. So we have nursing rooms mm -hmm. for moms. You can bring your baby up mm -hmm. and nurse your baby. We have mother's milk refrigerators mm -hmm. just for mom's milk. We have so many women in our office that are pregnant right now. You couldn't even believe it. <laughs> um, and we're supportive of this. You know, we have a facility in our office for you to bring your kid up with toys and books. And, you know, we want you to be able to be there. So I'll always tell employees, you know, like, you've yeah. got a recital or soccer game. Get out of here. And do it later. Yeah, get and out do of here, do later, it later, get to it. Because I respect you and I trust you. And I, w I want to do the same thing as a mother. The cost to your company uh, to give four months paid leave, and do new dads get leave as well? They do, yeah. So to give that paid leave, it's a it's an extraordinary cost to your company, to all of corporate America. I don't look at it like that. But, but here's my <laughs> I hear you, but here's my question. Where's the role for government in this? I mean, right. this is being hotly debated across yeah. parties in Washington. Do you believe that there is a role for government to step in and for government to fund paid leave for, for new parents? You know, I think it's important. I think that time that parents get with their newborn children is a really important time. 
I think that that employee, given that opportunity to do that for their family, to be present at this critical point of becoming a, a mother or a father, that they will come back and give you so much more. And that's what I always say. It's like I look at our moms and they're, they're you know, I don't know how moms do it, but they're the they're hardest workers. They can manage a million things at once. They can juggle a million you things at once. You want something done, ask a busy you mom. A, you ask right? a busy mom. And you know what? Like if people just got it, that if you give them time, they will give you everything else. And you we keep our employees and we retain our employees. So should, and should, they stay with us for, you know, y- you know years. years and years and years. So should... Should your company, should corporate America bear the cost or should the government pay for it? You know, I don't, again, I don't look at it as a cost because if I wasn't doing these things for my employees, they may go somewhere else, right? Because you can afford it, though. I mean, like, let's be honest, you couldn't have afforded that leave early on, probably in your company. There's a lot of small businesses across America where they say, I want to give this leave, but I can't afford it. Do you believe there's a role for government there? I do. I mean, you know, I think that we should be supportive of parents, you know, however we can be. And I think that there's there's starting to be movements of showing real data that shows yeah. that when you do this, you will reap the rewards and benefits. And it may be a cost at that moment in time, but over the long haul of your business, mm-hmm. the cost of having to hire someone else and to train that person and get them to that level that that other individual was at, that is very costly for a company to do. Mm-hmm. So if you can keep and retain wonderful, valuable employees, that's smart business. Amazon. And I had this plan before we had our conversation, okay. before we started taping. Um, I have a few questions on this, but, but my first question on Amazon. Amazon threat or opportunity? You know, I, lo- I think any time you bring something into the competitive landscape, I kind of get excited because it makes you have to work harder, right? It makes you have to think, okay, we have to be innovative. We have to yep. step up and provide what is Amazon doing that people love? And how do we make sure that we're doing just as much or doing it better? And what are things about Amazon that people maybe aren't loving? And where do we fill in that white space as a retail company mm-hmm. to still give a human touch? Because so, I don't think humans are going to ever go to a place where they don't value a human touch. You, so you had experience selling Kendra Scott on Amazon. It's no longer sold on Amazon. Why and what did you learn? You know, I think for me, the experience for our customers is everything. Whether they come to my website to shop or they go to our stores, we are all about surprising and delighting and wowing our customer. We can control that experience on my website and my stores. I couldn't control it with some other retailers. Mm. Retailers that sell our products online have to have a like-minded heart and culture to Kendra Scott. Nordstrom is a great example of that, an amazing partner for us. Family run, aren't they? Family run. The Nordstrom, I mean, Pete Nordstrom's a great guy. Uh, You know, love working with them and they care. Their value system for them, they care. Selfridges in London is a, you know, Harry Selfridge, American guy going in, wanted to create this incredible store that excited their customer. We love partnering with brands like that. So, so I think that's important for so us. So there are outlets that you've said no to. No, you can't sell our item because we, you don't align with our values. Right. Interesting. You have said not enough stock is put in hiring nice people. Really? Uh, really. I believe you should hire on heart, not just resume. Hmm. And I think it's really important today that you, what your core values are. Ours are about family, about fashion, about philanthropy. You have to be passionate about those core values and really care about those things if you want to work at Kendra Scott. If you don't care about those things, that's okay. You can just go work somewhere else. Have you ever hired someone who's not nice and it hasn't worked out? Yes. 
I had to learn the hard way. Give us the dirt. Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) I hired on resume, and this experience was amazing. And in the interview, my gut was kind of turning, saying, there's just something off here. I don't know if this is right. But I thought, this is such great experience. And the way that this person came in and led was very domineering and very aggressive. And it is not how we communicate at Kendra Scott with each other. We are a company that cares about each other. We root for one another. It was totally opposite of our core values. Wow. And I and it did damage, and I had to quickly. I mean, we were we lost some really great people because, because they of because of this. And from that moment on, I said, never again, guys. We're going to hire on heart. We have people in our organization that will we they go through very cross functional interviewing, sure, so that that we can really sense. Do you sense their heart? Do you sense their core values? And if they're aligned. Nine times out of ten, it'll work. You can teach people something, uh-huh. but you can't give them a heart. That's true. <laughs> so I've never walked into a store, maybe a candy store, but outside of that, where they actually just give me something, you know, yeah. unless, <laughs> yeah, I think just a candy store <laughs> or a sample, you know, right. perfume or, or lotion right at the cosmetic counter. Is it true that walking in your stores, your employees are empowered? If they see someone having a bad day, et cetera, they can literally give them jewelry away for free? So yeah, I mean, what we've, all, what we've said from the very beginning is we are here to help people who need help, right? If anyone called me, even in that extra bedroom, I would never say no. I always had something to give if they needed help. Uh, and we've kept that for 16 years. So at nonprofit, if you call us and you need help, mm-hmm. we're going to figure out a way to help you. We've had customers come into the store. We're very aligned with, you know, breast cancer, breast cancer research. We've had women coming in after chemotherapy treatments. And yes, we absolutely want to brighten their day. And we have given them a gift to, you know, try to give them a little bit of sunshine and joy. Our employees, every employee, has the power to please the customer in that moment. And so they don't have to ask manager approval to accept a return. or They can, in that moment, please the customer. And when you give a young associate that power, that respect, amazing things happen. And you watch these just stars start to shine. It's really exciting. Many people, I think most, I certainly did before I started researching for this interview, associate Kendra Scott with jewelry. It's more than that. It, there's candles, there's bags, there's home goods. Um, what are you building here, Kendra? How big is this going to get and what other avenues are you exploring? You know, First of all, I came and believe we've gotten to where we've gotten, right? But I'm a jewelry designer by heart. Okay. I love I love jewelry. I love color. I love being able to infuse that into other categories. But we want to do it thoughtfully. You know, I'm not just going to put our name on a product for the sake of doing that. There has to be a reason for being. We have to be filling a void in the marketplace. We have to be doing something that our customers are wanting, that they're desiring. And we have to do it with a jewelry designer's perspective. And if I can do all of those things and I get excited about doing something new and fresh. You know, I want to build a legacy brand, Poppy. I want to build a brand that my three boys and their kids will be proud of. So where will you go and where won't you go, right? Because home goods. Yeah. Uh, and what, what do you think is, what is beyond that that you would be proud to have the Kendra Scott name on? You know, again, it's, it's about creating a unique experience. Everything we do is about our customer. All I care about is what she wants. 
It's not what I want. I want. I care about what she wants and what she needs. And if I can give her something that is beautiful and high quality at an attainable price, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Um, but again, it's with our materials, our sense of design and style. You know, home, we've just scratched the surface with beautiful gemstone trays and, you know, beautiful jewelry accessories and jewelry boxes to fill your closet. And our customers love it and they want more of it. And so if she wants more of it, I'm going to keep on designing for her. Where is most of the jewelry actually made at this point because you have such scale yeah. and such bulk? So we buy stones from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So you, stones are coming from everywhere. We're really producing all over as well. Certain, you know, techniques are better found in India. Some things are better found in Asia. Exactly. So we're kind of, you know, all over the place, which is exciting and it gives diversity to our product, but we're all about stones. So if you come to our store, you'll see everything from Labradorite to Carnelian to Rose Quartz, and that comes from all over the world. More from my conversation with Kendra Scott after the break. So you obviously have to have a particularly keen eye on what's going on on global trade right now yeah. and tariffs and, and the Trump administration's, um, you know, we have USMCA, a new NAFTA deal, but but also a trade war brewing with China. What has that meant for your business? And, and I'm interested in what your message would be to the administration as an American success story business on what you need on trade. You know, I think it's important to look at the holistic picture, right? If you're looking at it in just one uh, dimension of, okay, we're going to tax this so that we, you know, it doesn't, you have to look at how this is really going to affect a business long term and Are how it's going to it? affect the consumer. That's what I'm most worried about. Are you feel right because businesses will ultimately you can only absorb so much. You'll right. pass it down. Right. Down to the consumer. Someone is going to have to pay for it, right? And so we're trying to eat as much of it as we can because I don't want to affect our You're consumer. You're feeling it right now. The we're impact feeling of a little tariffs. bit of it. Yeah, we are. And you know, I'm hoping that it is going to be managed and uh-huh. leveled because we are thoughtful about, you know, we're employing obviously 2,000 people in the United States. Those families depend on our brand to have success. And success means that we are competing with the world. We're globally competing. So I'm competing not just with jewelry designers in the United States, I'm competing with jewelry designers all over the world. So when we're hit with these strong tariffs, can we still be competitive? That's my concern. And can you hire more? Becomes exactly. the question, right? I mean, exactly. have you thought about that, Kendra, as you look out for the next fiscal year at hiring? Have you thought about the impact that the increased cost you're bearing because of tariffs may have on hiring? You know, at this point, fortunately, it's not going to affect that yet. Okay. Um, but we're, you know, we're all of us, you know, we don't know what each day is going to hold. And it's a little bit of being on bated breath to see what the next thing, what the next announcement might be. Right. And I'm hopeful that isn't the case and that we can still continue to grow our company at the level that we've been growing, you know, for the last several years. Women leaders. Um, if you dig into the numbers, the reality is uh, beyond disappointing. What we've seen in just over the last year, when you look at Fortune 500 companies, um, the number of women leading those companies has fallen 25%. We've seen five big name female CEOs of Fortune 500 companies leave, uh, Internui being the latest. You've got Meg Whitman at HP Enterprise, all replaced by men. Why is that still happening? You know, Poppy, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I look back kind of on, you know, my aunt who inspired me. She was a fashion director. And it was, you know, I remember even talking with her that to get to that VP level yep. within an organization was, was almost impossible 
for a woman. Um, and, you know, I feel like we have made such strides. And I'm living in this utopia at Kendra Scott where we are, we are women owned, we're women operated. Like we're, But then you go outside of that and you see some of the reality of what's happening in other corporations. And honestly, it is disappointing. You know, and I don't know why it's happening because I look at what my company is doing yes. and seeing the success of having just smart individuals, whether you are a man or a woman, every human should be given the chance to succeed. What do you think that the Me Too movement, what do you hope that the Me Too movement and the way that it has elevated women's voices, what do you hope the net result of it is? You know, I think that it's important to realize that, you know, women have always been strong and they've always had, you know, strength inside of them. I think when women join forces, when they hold hands, they're unstoppable. Um, I can I can attest to that. When women hold hands, they are unstoppable. They are unstoppable. And I think that's what I'm seeing most with the Me Too movement mm. is that women are holding hands. They're mm. supporting each other. They're lifting each other up in all aspects. And I think that's an exciting thing because that movement, I hope those numbers that we just talked about earlier will change when women hold hands and aren't afraid to use their voices. Well, you're the mother of three boys, right? Yes. So can you share a little bit uh, with me how you, maybe how this moment um, has changed how you talk to your boys or raise your boys? Because it's also about the men in our lives lifting yes. us up, right? Without a doubt. I mean, I look at my husband every day and I think I would never have the, the success I've had without having him in my corner. Oh, and I think too. there's so many women who can say that the men in our lives are, have just been such a huge fundamental uh, power source for us, right? To believe in us. My father, I mean, you look at fathers and their daughters. I mean, all they want is for them to live the most happy, successful life. My dad told me I could be anything in the world I wanted to be. And I believed him. And yeah. I think we have to to keep saying that message. And I think to my boys, it's the same thing. Everyone, no matter who they are, should be treated with kindness and respect and should be given the opportunity and should be believed in. And, and I think that's an important message for any parent to give their son or their daughter. I remember when Diane von Furstenberg, who's also on that list with you, that Forbes yes. list, said to me sitting in that chair, I have never met a woman who is not strong. And this is a real moment of us yes. realizing that strength and building that strength up for others. I, I know much of your career has been running, being the boss, frankly, of your own company, <laughs> even if it was, you know, in your kitchen. My kids, let's attic. be honest, my kids are really the boss. Well, that's right. True. Even at two and a half, my daughter <laughs> is so the boss. True. Right? Um, but I don't know, before that, before you were the boss of the business, have you ever been discriminated against? You know, I mean, I remember working in corporate kind of world um, for a little while yeah. and, and feeling sometimes dismissed about my ideas or my thoughts and, and having that feeling of why, why don't they want to believe in me or why don't they you know, want to listen to me? And, you know, anytime you go into a room and you feel like I remember walking in and being like, OK, they're going to think here I am, a blonde woman who didn't finish college. Uh, right away, they're going to underestimate yeah. me. Yep. So I had to go in with like, I'm going to show you who I am. So right? how, how did you do that? I know for me as a young blonde reporter, <laughs> I wanted to be taken seriously. And here yeah. I had this weird name, Poppy, right? I almost changed it. I love it. your well, name. But I was worried no one would take me seriously. So I remember arming myself with the facts. I would way over prepare for yes. interviews or meetings 
you know, in case I was dismissed? What did you do? Same thing. Yeah. You know, I wanted to have all the answers, right? And I started to realize that I wasn't going to have all the answers. And that the, sometimes the biggest sign of strength is when you say, you know what, I'm not really sure about that. Know. I don't know. But I might, I'm going to find out that answer, right? I think that it's okay to show vulnerability. When did you realize that? You know, I think as I started to get, I remember when I used to be so uh, ashamed of the fact that I didn't finish college because I started my first business at 19. Um, I think and, Bill Gates didn't finish college. Right. Mark I know. Yeah. But I used to be, when it co would come up, I would literally get sure. like anxiety about it because sure. I, I just felt like they weren't going to, you know. And now, and even, you know, over the last probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I started to kind of, it was my badge of honor that, you know what, even though I didn't do this, I went to the school of hard knocks and I got a master's degree. <laughs> and I don't know if you're familiar with that college, but, you know, and I kind of tried to make Sounds it light more fun than mine. And it kind of like people, you would see their faces of like, okay, it's okay. She's not trying to be someone she's not. And just be you because all the experiences of our lives are what make us unique. Yes. And sometimes it's not the, what you think the plan will be. No. It's all the things in between that make us special. And so celebrate it. You have said, uh, if you're doing the same thing as everyone else, you've already failed. Yeah. There are a lot of jewelry companies out there. There were, but yeah. you found this white space. How did you ensure that you weren't doing the same thing as everyone else? Well, I mean, you know, t talking about how we, you know, designed our store environment. I mean, that was completely radical in jewelry to just have your jewelry freely displayed and then to have this interactive bar where customers could be part of the design process and creating all these events and girls night outs and all these things going on in our store. You know, we did things in retail that were unique with, we have a community outreach manager in every single one of our stores. That means 90 individuals are paid just to go out into their local community and help support that community. Those are unique and very different things that people weren't doing in other retail environments. And I think that really was for us one of those things where we keep doing it. And you, you know, think it has resulted in uh, being a more profitable company. Even despite that cost, you think that more people buy your, or you must have evidence that more people buy the product because of the totality of the experience. It is. And, you know, you think about it, Poppy, do you, when you have an option to buy a brand and the quality is there and the products are beautiful and you know that that company is also supporting things that are important to you, mm -hmm. you're going to choose that company versus another. And I think our customers have incredible brand loyalty because we care about them and they know they can call us literally call us if they need something and we're going to help them. I don't know many companies that do that. Well, to that point, I mean, you have in the sort of the overarching on all of this is Kendra Cares, right? Is, yes. is, is, is that that mission. Um, but to your point about I don't know how many companies do that, you have said, I'm hopeful we can be a beacon of light on this for other companies, large and small. Why is it? Uh, and I guess what's your message to broader corporate America on this front? Because I see it increasingly that the consumer demands to know where the product is from and what the company stands for um, behind the product. So I think, you know, for me, building this business again, I was told that if I gave all this product away, if somebody called me and I wouldn't say no, that was crazy. You could never build a company and do that. And I really, that for me, success was giving back to my community. After losing my stepfather to brain cancer, I realized that we have a very short time on this earth. And I wanted to do something good. And he was how old? 47. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 44. So, and my you know, dad was 49. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and I and I realized, I think, with his passing that I wanted to do something impactful. And if I could do that with doing something that I love and being a mom, we would have success. And I think I did it because that was just what was important to me. But as we started to build the company, the success followed. And I do believe that when you give, when you do good things, good things come back to you. Um, I do believe in it. And I see it every day in our stores. I see it with the relationships that we've built with our customers. It is very unique and very special. And, you know, I can now look at this and we have proof in numbers to show that when you give, you do get this back. And I'm hoping that other companies, other new entrepreneurs starting new businesses will look at our model and say, Let's put this into the fabric as we start our company because it can start small. I was making an earring out of the bedroom in the early days. Now, you know, we gave four and a half million dollars to women's and children's charities last year. That's real money. I I remember Tori Birch telling me on the podcast when she started the line, she did it because in large part to get enough money to run the Tory Burch Foundation, which she now has started and it is thriving and their focus is, you know, am- ambition for women, but that it was in the fabric at the, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, wages in this country. It's a big debate right now in New York City here. We have a $15 minimum wage. We see it in some other big cities across the country. It's not in Kenosha, Wisconsin, <laughs> right? Um, but where do, you, where do you stand on that, on, on, a, on the debate over a living wage in this country? I think it's really important for employers, if you want to garner and keep great talent, that you're always evaluating that. And we do. We always are evaluating kind of where is the market? Where are we at in this? Are, are we doing the right things? Are people at the, at the place where they should be? And we adjust those as needed as we look at something that might be changing in the market. Um, and I think it's important for employers to be paying attention to that and having those conversations regularly about what they need to do to make sure that, that their employees are getting what they need, right? And that they're getting what they deserve in the role and, re- and the experience that they have. So what? how did you, did you have employees coming to you, you guys and saying we, we have to get sort of the base wage up? How did you address it? You know, we, we're on it. So we're going to them. So, you know, if we've seen something, you know, our HR team is so aggressive about this because it is such an important topic for me. I want everyone to know how much they are valued and appreciated. It's not just about wage at Kendra Scott. It's about all the other benefits that we're creating, too. I mean, again, I can't wait for you to come to Austin someday. But, you know, our distribution center, people say, I've never seen a distribution center like this in the world. There's a full gym, a Kendra cafe. We're bringing in lunch. We're creating this amazing environment for our employees. These are additional perks, again, to kind of help their life. And do those employees, because I'm not sure if you read it, but Jen Hyman, who runs Rent the Runway, wrote a big op-ed in the New York Times about six months ago saying, look, she realized as a leader she was contributing to income inequality because the warehouse workers were not getting the same package of benefits, for example, as these sort of corporate employees. Yeah. So how do you address that? And that's a really great point because we have seasonal help that come in, you know, obviously within shipping, you have holiday help. So that's something that we're always evaluating as well. So like, what can we do for some of those hourly-based employees versus full-time employees? And what other things can we help contribute to them? And what are the things that they need? So those conversations, I think, for leaders within companies, they have to be having them with their employees regularly and asking those tough questions. What is it that you need that you are not getting? How can we help support you further in your life? How can we make sure that you're living your most happy and most full life? Is there anything that we could be doing differently? 
think a lot of employers don't necessarily want to hear those things. And those are questions that you Just should be asking. Just come to work, don't tell me about right. your problem. You have to be engaging and asking those questions and then being proactive and doing something to make sure that you're providing an amazing workplace for them. What has been the hardest decision that you have had to make uh, running this company? Because that's what CEOs, um, you know, CEOs aren't paid to make all of the little decisions all day. They're paid to make the big, most important decisions and to get it right. You know, I think we brought in, uh, you know, PE investment firm this past year. Um, and it was a big decision because, again, you know, I, I had brought in somebody at a smaller level, but this was a much bigger, uh, you know, situation. Sure. There were several, several firms that we were speaking with. And it was such an important decision for me because I needed to make sure that whoever we had sitting across from me at the board table was aligned with my vision and that shared my core values. And I really needed to get to know them. And it was a long process. And it was one that I took very, very seriously. And I also realized I wanted to be the majority shareholder, that I'm engaged and involved in this company. And I'm not willing to give that up. And you I didn't want to give up that control. I didn't want, and I have, I have no desire to do did they that. Put, did, did some candidates push you to? Well, you know, it was a big investment. So sure. there were a few that I think would have pr- probably preferred to take, the, to take that. But they were all also saw the value in a CEO and founder who cares so deeply for their brand and is so protective of their brand. And I think at the long run, most of them got that that was something that, you know, to them was a huge value. IPO? You know, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> I said that on the way here. I go, Poppy's going to ask me that. Uh, you know what? I love being a private company. I More really flexibility, do. less pressure for quarterly earnings. Exactly. You know, I, I can make decisions that I need to make to make sure that we're always giving a great customer experience. And sometimes those decisions cost us money in a quarter to be able to do that. But in the long run, that's the right decision. And I don't ever want to be forced mm-hmm. to not do the things I need to do to keep this company moving in the yep. right direction because I need to make a quarterly result. We have heard CEOs of big publicly traded companies. Jamie Dimon has been out there talking about this, about, you know, projections and quarterly earnings projections. Um, you know, it, it doesn't incentivize companies to, to invest in their business and to do what the business needs in the moment. Right. It, right. Exactly. And I think, you know, I've just seen enough of this, just looking at other businesses who have gone down that road and talking with other business uh, owners and founders of the one thing I regret the most is taking my cup pump company public. I've Ooh. heard that. Um, I can't tell you, Poppy, how many times. And I think, you know, I'm a sponge and every day I'm waking up running a company bigger than it was the night before. I can't say exactly what the future is going to hold, but I know that today we're doing the right things for the right reasons. And I want to keep doing that as long as we can. All right. A little rapid fire. Have you ever done this? Yeah. I'm afraid, though. Okay, Don't be afraid. (laughs) Uh, All right. Favorite designer. Not Kendra Scott. Outside of Kendra Scott. Zimmerman. Okay. Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook? Instagram. Desktop or mobile? Mobile. Favorite tech device? My phone. (laughs) But if you were (laughs) stranded on an island, what would you take with you? What one thing would you take with you? Like a tech device? Outside of your kids and, you know, food. A tech device, though, specifically? Anything you must have with you. Sunscreen. Smart. (laughs) East Coast or West Coast? Oh, that's, come on, Midwest. Or Wisconsin. Midwest. Kenosha. Uh, Favorite place to visit? Oh, Italy. I love the food. I love the wine. And I love the people. True. I agree on all. Uh, Ideal weekend plans? 
being at home with my three boys. I actually love rainy weekends because we like snuggle up on the couch, we order in, we'll watch a movie. Um, That's a dream weekend for me. Finally, who's your hero? You know, this is a pretty easy one for me, my mom. Uh, You know, I know a lot of people, you know, obviously look up to their parents, but she is a warrior and uh, she was raised in a family of farmers and coal miners Mm. in, you know, very, uh, almost poverty. I mean, she didn't have indoor plumbing. I remember visiting. Yes. Uh, She had to go pump water out of a well in the morning, Uh, went to a one room schoolhouse. It was like Little House on the Prairie. She is not that old. Um, And to see the life that she has given all of my sisters and I and my brothers, the amazing support, uh, how she has always been there through with me through ups and downs. She showed me what unconditional love is. And for that, I am truly grateful. She sounds remarkable. She's my hero. I hope I get to meet her one day. Thanks, Thank you. Kendra. Thanks, Poppy. Congrats on all the success. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.